Hello, welcome to the Mobile Home Park Expert Podcast. My name is Jason Stroden and I'm joined by my friend, Glenn Esterson. Glenn, how are you? I'm doing fantastic today, Jason. Thank you. Uh, today, Glenn, you know, I was thinking based on our last conversation uh, with the park that we didn't get to purchase and, you know, we were talking about some of the risks that I thought it'd be good to do the top risk of investing in mobile home parks. So that's what we're going to cover today. Glenn, tell people about this course before we jump into the topic because it's so cool. Sure. Sure. So it's, it's kind of geared to tool along with the book, you know, the, the, the Mobile Home Park Manifesto. It's really kind of an introductory course. You know, I mean, if, if you're looking to get into this industry and you want sort of a low cost entry point to, to learn something more than, you know, what you can see on the Internet, um, you know, that's what this course is for. It's only $199. It's about 10 hours, you know, seven to 10 hours, depending on how fast you go through it. We give you a ton of, you know, database templates, underwriting templates, due diligence materials, all sorts of really useful stuff that I think you guys will find value in. And of course, if you don't like it, you let me know and I, I, I refund your money. I don't want your money if you don't like it. But uh, at the same time, um, you know, I think there's a lot, a lot to gain from that course, especially for all these new guys that are getting in this industry. It's, it's intense how much yeah. new blood is coming in, you know, since the, uh, the pandemic started. And, you know, it's, it's keeping yeah, it's us all, on our toes and it's moving the market tremendously. And, and it really bleeds in well to this podcast because there's so many, you know, uh, unknown risks to this industry. That, you know, all this new money coming in, they're going to make some foolish mistakes, most likely, and they're paying premiums right now for it. Um, you know, and so we, we try to help and talk a lot about that in, in the course, of course. And I think on this podcast, it's, it's a very appropriate time to talk about that. Yeah. And, and I do. I want to talk about, you know, exactly what those risks are, how to avoid them, what the most common ones are. So let's start at the very beginning. What is one of the very, very big, the first mistakes a new person to the game could make? Oh, man. Most people get really excited about what they think is a high cap rate. And, you know, they, they, they get all over themselves about, you know, oh, this thing has, you know, an eight cap on, on current, you know, stuff but you know the what they received from this mom and pop person or or this wholesaler that's you know wholesaling the deals is completely uh poorly underwritten parks and they they don't know no better so they think that hey i guess this is you know pretty easy business because it only has this much expenses and you know i don't mind paying this number um you know because it's going to make me this much money in return and and you know that's that math is wrong for most of the time. You know, these aren't apartment buildings. They don't run like apartment buildings, you know, and, and most of these parks, you know, that, that you find on the wholesale stuff and that you, you see these kind of higher cap rates on tend to actually be park owned home communities, uh, you know, or have at least a, a substantial amount of park owned homes in them. And, you know, while I'm actually a fan of park owned homes at times, and in this market, I actually am most of the time, these park owned homes, you know, they, they, they can be a real slippery slope for somebody who's a novice to this industry. So, you know, you want to really watch out how that broker or that mom and pop or that wholesaler has this stuff underwritten. And, you know, of course, there's plenty of you know very good brokers out there, you know, in our world that do this industry that I'm sure I know I will. And I'm sure everybody on my team will and as, as much as my competitors will probably take a look for you and give you their thoughts 
that's that would be one of the first steps as, as far as avoiding some risk is understanding is that the real cap rate or not. Uh, but almost more importantly, or at least as as much important, is the the, the zoning, the municipality type of stuff that goes with it. The, you know, a lot of these parks are incorrectly zoned and, and working under a grandfather clause. Um, you know, it's you got to You got to watch out for that. You you might not even know to ask about that on this. You know, uh, during your due diligence, if you're brand new to this industry, because it's like, oh no, this thing's been here forever. And if it's a non-conforming use, you know. You might you might have some challenges down the road when you go to replace a home or bring a new home in that doesn't quite have the same setbacks. You know, after you put the new home in, it's going to trigger, you know, all the new setback rules uh, often anyways, compared to what the grandfather had, where they might have just had a little bit of space for setbacks. Now, the setbacks most of the time are, you know, in most places. You know, you know, 15 feet in all directions, if not more. Does that uh, affect one home? You have to be mindful of that. Does that affect one home? It can affect the entire park. We, we, right. So you bring one in it, and it like, it's, the, it's sort of like being like, Hey, look at me, look at me. I've got drugs in my pocket, <laughs> you know, arrest me. A little bit, you know, it's, it, it can be very scary. So like we just did a deal in Charleston, South Carolina, maybe six months ago, nine months ago. And, you know, it's, it, it's a great location. They, these guys bought and got it, got it for a good deal. This park. And they're like, you know, just intending to improve it. They weren't being schmucks about it at all. And, you know, they had a, a really old 1970s type of home that was ugly and it was vacant and needed to be pulled out. And they wanted to bring in a new home and drop it in on there. Seems harmless enough, right? Take an old home out, bring a new home in. Nobody should be mad about that. Well, that triggered an entire series of, of events that not only could they not bring the new home in, but after they pulled the new home out, it, they went through a whole uh, a whole having to do a redo on the whole park, meaning that, you know, after three hundred thousand dollars of arguing with the with the city about how they're allowed to do this, you know, it ended up being, well, no, you're not. And you're going to have to redevelop this park if you want it to stay as a park. And they had to come up with the structure that allowed them to do this. They almost lost everything on this deal. Luckily, it was a really strong market and it, it was a. Uh, a good location and was in an opportunity zone. And they went through the brain damage of getting the municipal people back on board for this redo. And then we sold the project as a redo. Um, but it took, it took some, you know, clever thinking on their behalf to get there. Many of the guys just throw their arms up in there and say, I don't know what the hell to do here. You know, like in, in Colorado, there's a lot of parks that, you know, well, in almost everywhere, there's a lot of parks that are, are like sardine cans where the homes are just stacked on each other. And there's no way to replace that home. Almost, you have to literally leave that home standing and keep it built at all times because they won't re let you replace that home. And you'll have to go through that whole process in in those type of parks. Very scary thing to be into. So just because the house is there and the lot is there does not necessarily mean that you, as a new buyer, as as any buyer, can come in and just start replacing homes to upgrade things. It could trigger some some real scary stuff from the municipality on your hand that. You don't want to go through that kind of brain damage, at least not in your first deal. I mean, there's value there to do that on, on a lot of deals, but you want to know that going into it and, and not just think you're just going to be, you know, managing a park as it is and then just improving it as you could because it could be a challenge. So really, the the, the municipality aspect of it, the zoning aspect of it, the uh, the amount of, uh, of, of uh, density that has compared to what kind of density is allowed nowadays, all things you really need to be paying attention to as well. Um, you know, past, past those two things. Go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. 
So, so past, you know, that's those first two things that we just discussed. You know, the, the next big risk is really the tenants. A lot of a lot of buyers, they don't even really think about the tenants. They look at a rent roll. They, they make some, you know, bizarre kind of decisions off of the, the names on the rent roll and, you know, the term of, of occupancy for that person. And they say, okay, you know, good enough. You know, they, they assume many times that the current owner had done background checks and had done, you know, a whole bunch of, you know, screening. And, and often it's, they just don't. They just, you know, a lot of times people just wave, you know, a couple thousand dollars in their face and, and they move them in. You don't necessarily know if he's a good tenant or a bad tenant. He just happens to pay his rent. But he might be not a person you necessarily want in your park. It's like in my park, I, I sure as hell did not know to go and, you know, research my tenants. I, I was literally the way that I just described. And when, when I, you know, took over the park, before I knew it, half the parks were, you know, were straight drunkards. And, you know, they had rap sheets and they were out in the middle of the yards, you know, sometimes, you know, having some domestic violence issues or having, you know, tenant on tenant issues. And I'd get the police called all the time telling me I got to deal with this. Um, and that's that that was a headache risk, you know, and, and it ultimately a financial risk because I had to clean those guys out and then rebuild the reputation of the park. And before I can get new people back into it. But what right. do you do? Like, I mean, what's the best way to what are you going to do? Go do a background check, check on everybody? Yeah, basically. Yeah, really? Great services out there. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you really should, you know, at least cover some of the bases. You know, like you, you can read when you go under contract, you're going to get a copy of the leases and you get the names of all the people and all that kind of stuff. So you, you're going to have some good information on them to go run, you know, some uh, sexual predator kind of reports on the Internet. Uh, go call the police station and, and see if there's you know a, a rap sheet on any of these guys. And, you know, you, you want to go through that process because what you don't want to inherit is, is a park that's all, you know, all riffraff because that's that, that's just painful to get rid of you know now if they're just some old guy who gets drunk every now and then and, and you you know never shows up in the thing i mean that's going to happen but at the same time you know you as a as a new owner need to be prepared for that and i just think this is you know a, a walk in the park with these tenants because these tenants do rebel so glenn there's got to be a risk to involved with like you know not doing the right deal in the first place right like how do I know I'm not overpaying? Yeah, that's obviously like one of the biggest risks is how do you know if you're overpaying or, or if you're getting a steal? Because right now, everybody in the market is, is really kind of, you know, uh, being aggressive with the purchasing behavior. And it's a very frothy market and, and margins have gotten very thin. So, you know, you're you have to really believe in the future of this industry. You have to believe in the future pro forma of that particular park. And, you know, that, that's going to help moderate any any of the overpaying that's happening right now. Of course, there are some things to be mindful of is we have historically low interest rates right now. That's allowing us to charge more for these parks um, yeah, as the cap as the interest rates went down. So did the cap rates because there's a level of spread that's being created. And if you're just thinking of getting in or out in three to five years and you are maybe not as, uh, uh, you know, bullish on where interest rates are going to be at your exit because your your cap rate is probably going to be balanced off of your interest rate then as well. You want to be mindful of that, that your pro forma uh, will kind of be able to match what the interest rates are going to be able and create the same spread. So overpaying is a real risk. Uh, I don't know if people are doing it today, but I know I'm selling parks at some insane numbers, at least historically. Um, and, you know, it's something to be mindful of. Uh, but overpaying is usually just a matter of, you know, 
tweaking a few things around and optimizing some of the revenues and expenses and waiting enough time for the, the market to recatch back up with you. That makes complete sense. And if you know, let's say that you know that there is almost like a brothel happening inside of your park and you know about oh it, are, are you liable for it? Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not an attorney, so I, I don't know exactly how to answer that question. I would say, you know, maybe it depends. <laughs> but I would say that, you know, there's there's a lot of parks that that actually have things like that going on. You know, like that, that's not an uncommon thing. You know, I, I sold a park near an airport once um, and it was a very it was a very gross kind of park. It was a, it was it was a value add type of repurposing type of project that we sold. Um, and you know, it, it, it had hookers, it had, you know, drug dealers, it had gangbangers, it had, it had the whole thing. You know, one of the guys touring the park actually got held up by gun, you know, touring the park, um, you know, and, and was, you know, was mugged, I guess is the word for it. Um, and that's, you, you know, like, gosh, you, you know, I, you don't want to deal with that kind of stuff, you know, unless if you're a turnaround pro turnaround pros, the guy who bought it is a turnaround pro. He's, he's, he's banging that thing out. It's awesome. You know, it's going to be an awesome deal in a year or two when he finally completes um, you know, we, we just listed a park that was a turnaround park that was that that kind of park. Uh, you know, this one's just uh, south of, uh, 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 of Georgia, you know, somewhere in the southeast part of Georgia, southwest part of Georgia. And it is, you know, a guy, he bought a park at like a 15 cap or whatever it was. And it was it was not a nice looking park. And he uh, brought me out. And he's like, what do I do now? I, I have no idea what to do now. And, you know, three, four, five years later, he's got a beautiful ass park now and we're about to sell it. And he's about to make some real money on this thing. Now he's got all the riffraff out. But he went through that learning curve. And, and you know, it's, it's painful for some people. It was very painful for me. I didn't vet my tenants at all during my purchase. And, man, did it come back to bite me, man. It's like they all rebelled after they realized, you know, I was kind of a nice guy and stuff like that. And before I knew it, all my rents were late. And then before I knew it, they were clogging up septic systems and then calling the city on me. And, and doing all this crap. So tenant vetting, extremely important. Municipal vetting, extremely important. Um, you know, the, the next thing you really want to, you know, worry about is the infrastructure. You'll not see the infrastructure on nearly every OM package that that, that you, you review as a buyer. So you don't really understand that there's actually an inherent risk in that. You know, the the, the infrastructure, meaning the pipes to the road, the, 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 the roads themselves, the, you know, all the back end underground type of systems that keep that park in operation so people can, can live there. And your water lines, you know, most people, you know, just think a water line's a water line. What's, what, why do I need to, you know, why do I need to worry about it? Um, the water might be on, you know, might be directly built to the tenant. You're like, I, I don't care. The tenant's paying for any leaks. But at the same time, you know, you want to inspect your water lines and, and send a professional out there with some dye kits and stuff like that, because that replacing the water lines throughout your parks, but they say you have a 50 unit park and it's not, you know, it's just one of them circle road type of parks. It can easily be hundreds of thousands of dollars to replace that, that water line in there. Now, you know, it's same with the, the sewer lines. Okay. Um, or if you have a septic system there, each septic system, you know, the, the owner might not know or he's not going to tell you. And, you know, the broker might not know. Uh, they should tell you if they do know, um, you know, any, any condition about there. But, again, none of us are going to be the experts on those things. You really want to get somebody out there to uh, uh, inspect the infrastructure, inspect the septic tanks and the, and the drain lines and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Because 
it can be expensive. You know, each septic system, you know, from tip to tail, if it needed total replacement, which most of the time it doesn't, you know, could easily be five to ten thousand dollars. Um, you know, and, and if it's public sewer, hey, that might be a lot less for you, except it might be a lot more for you because some of the parts for the public sewer are, can be very deep in the road and it could be, you know, you know, terracotta, you know, uh, 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 casings that ended up kind of getting brittle and you own the infrastructure and you might have to replace that or they're going to shut your park down, uh, you know, once once these things come to light. So you, you really want to make sure you send inspectors out for that kind of stuff and not just kind of easy breezy it where, oh, the seller says he has no leaks or, oh, the, ten the tenants pay their water and sword directly. That's a bad way to, to go. Do you always have to own the infrastructure underneath the park? No, well, sometimes you get lucky. I don't yeah, want that. You get lucky. Yeah, but it's really hard to find. But, but why would you, why would you want, that seems it's like the biggest risk ever. Yeah. To be like, yeah, I'm going to handle a what a city built underneath this. I'm just going to handle it. No, screw yeah, that. Man. You know, and, and that's that's kind of how it is because the city doesn't want the responsibility of it, right? They're like, no, it's your property, it's your crap, you deal with it, you know. Um, and so sometimes you can get lucky. Like we saw a real nice deal in Birmingham recently where the city owned the infrastructure inside the park up to the meter. Okay. Um, so that, that's really nice, you know, except they might, you know, have to tear up your road to fix something sometimes, and usually they, they come back and fix that if they tore up your road, but not necessarily the landscaping that was alongside of the road, you know, and so you're still going to have to deal with some of that stuff. Um, but it's it's way fewer deals that have a municipally owned infrastructure than the the common deal that has where the park where the park owner owns the infrastructure. Now, some people get you know they, they get real smart. They go to the city and say, "What do I got to do to make you take it over?" You know. Which is something you can do as as a person sometimes is you go with them and they outline, well, you need to upgrade all the, the line this, you need to change all the meters to this, you need to do all these things, and it, it easily costs hundreds of thousands of dollars. And then we would then we you could sell it to us, meaning not that they would pay you for it. Now you have to then pay them to take it over for you. Um and but a lot, you know, if that option exists, it's not always a bad option, and, and you really might want to consider that. But that's not really a risk. From a purchasing standpoint, that's just something to know in the back of your head about the future of that. The real risk is knowing who owns the utility lines in the park during your purchase. Who is responsible for the the, the maintenance on those lines? Uh, you know what and are what the state lines they're in. made of? Yeah, what, how exactly. how what state they're in? What, what, you know, that's what I want to know. Exactly. I want they, I want they, new pipes. <laughs> I want a whole new infrastructure. That sounds <laughs> that just sounds yeah. to me like a well, well typically today. Typically today, there's been a lot, of, you know, a lot of this stuff has kind of transitioned into newer materials over the years. And, and most of the PVC type of stuff that's out there today and the PEX that's out there today for the water lines is going to last a lifetime. It really should. If it was done correctly and installed correctly, it should really last a really long time. And if you hear the seller said, oh, it's, you know, it's all PVC I put in 10 years ago, it's probably going to be pretty fine. But still... Get the guy to come out there and send some dye leaks. You know, this is some dye testing through the, the water lines and see if anything is leaking. Um, and but the sore lines, boy, the sore lines in a lot of parks are still the old orange bird clay. And if you hear a seller tell you, oh, I got clay in the ground, you know, for my sore lines, big red flag, you know, big, big red flag. You got to then start wondering all sorts about replacement costs. Most of that clay stuff was put in 50 years ago. It's reached its useful life. It's going to need replacement. Sometimes if you look at it wrong, it collapses. You know, if, you, if your tenants are driving across 
you know, the grass as they did in my park, they would just, you know, be all crazy and just driving their crap up and down the, the, the grass to get to their house closer. Uh, it, it, it can absolutely crush the sewer lines and that's an expensive fix. It's an expensive fix, thousands of dollars per unit once that line crushes. Um, and, and tree, tree uh, roots can puncture, puncture through it so easily. You know, they, they can also get through the PVC and stuff too, but it's, it's a lot, lot harder nowadays. Uh, and and on, on back to the water lines, they often use a, a, the older material is the galvanized steel stuff. And the galvanized steel was a great option back then, you know, but it, it's really starting to not be so great today because it, it rusts away and, and, and it, the, the, the part that, that binds it together is often kind of starting to fail and, and you start seeing little puncture holes that cause these little leaks and you have to keep putting new clamps on them to keep them down. And at, over time, you want to, you know, you're going to want to have to replace that. So as a buyer, you need to know what that cost is up front and you should be asking those questions. So those are four risks we can talk. I forget the first one. I'm sorry. I'm yeah, no, we didn't, we didn't, uh, but, uh, you know, we didn't, we we didn't give a number. We didn't give a number that we had to give. We were just trying to hit the top ones. I want to close it out with let's fast forward sure. a year, right? Let's go a year ahead. You own the park. What are the things that you're looking out for year mm -hmm. one? I'm looking at how to improve my expenses, okay, and, and how to really manage the cash flow better. I'm looking at, you know, has interest rates come down in the last year? Do I Should I start thinking about a refinance, you know, because, boy, if you bought in 2019 and you got, you know, to the end of 2020, there was a big delta in interest rates that could have saved you a lot more cash flow. You hopefully went and refinanced if you were able to. So, you know, I'm thinking about optimization a year in. I'm assuming by a year into it, I've kicked out all the riffraff. I've gotten all those knuckleheads out of my park. I've, I've talked with the city and we're friends at this point. They're not ready to give me an expansion, but they're not trying to throw a wrench at me. Uh, I'm assuming, you know, my, my, my uh, deferred maintenance, the vast majority of it should be, you know, done at that point, whether it was replacing the water or sewer lines or fixing a septic or patching some roads or, you know, reskirting some of the, the vacant homes that were a little degraded or selling off any of the, 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 the vacant homes that I didn't want in my park anymore. Um, and trying to, to, to bring in new tenants on my new lots. Now, the uh, and, and by, by a year into it, you should have been able to start getting your orders in if you had vacant lots to be purchasing homes. Right now, you know, home orders take six to nine months from any of the main manufacturers. Uh, you know, so you want to get that going as soon as you, you get started so you can start populating any vacant lots or replacing any ugly homes, you know, by the end of that year. But after a year, you should have a good handle on your park and what you should be thinking about, you know, after you've gone through that first year of what we just talked about, you know, you should be thinking about how to improve my revenues and how to, you know, reduce my expenses and, and kind of look at it from a, I really don't want to raise the rent on, you know, you know, Rose in number, you know, 25 because she's 95 years old. And so I'm going to leave her rents flat, but I got my new guys, I'm able to get, you know, $150 higher market rent on because, you know, this is a nice park now. And you want to start thinking about how to target more of those new tenants without, without hurting your legacy tenants. So, so you can get better revenues out of the, you know, from, from the lot rents and from the home sales. Uh, and then on the expenses, you're really thinking about, you know, what else can be optimized? You know, how can I reduce R&M? How can, without, without getting, you know, 
too low where you're not you know, spending the money it takes to keep your park looking really nice. You, know, you want to run through all these things. You know, evictions in that first year can often be pretty high and a pretty pretty costly expense. And so you, your goal is to try and get that down to, you know, a, a, a much smaller number of one, you know, zero to one or two, depending on how many uh, you know people or how big your park is. And so that's really what year two and three is about, is about infill and, you know, uh, uh, rent optimization and, you know, maybe building back the utilities if it wasn't already, you know, uh, being charged to the tenant. Right. You know, that's usually a year two project is, is put the meters in and start, you know, trying to get the tenants to start paying that rent. Uh, and so those are kind of the things that, that I would be thinking of if I was one year anniversary of a of a turnaround park or really any park that, that, that you're buying, you know, sometimes the turnaround takes one, two, three years. Okay. Right. Sometimes it's a the turnaround just takes a few months. You get the riffraff out, you know, and it's, it starts turning quickly. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think that, you know, it's a constant grind. Once you're in, it's always about optimizing because you you're, it's never perfect and it's always evolving and the market's evolving. You got to keep up. Glenn, thank you so much for, imparting so much wisdom on us yeah you have to keep up you can't you can't sit back in any business but definitely not mhp uh listen again if you have not read glenn's book the mobile home park manifesto please go to amazon go to his website purchase it and then after you read that sign up for one of these classes they are amazing these courses that glenn is offering they're new they're fantastic they're a good value and it is a money back guarantee if you don't like it just write us. Nobody wants to take your money unless you have value. Glenn is a very forward guy in that way. Yeah. That is not what this is about. Um, Glenn, if people want to get a hold of you, they can reach you at G. It's really meant to right? be. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, G. Esterson at the mhpexpert.com. You can reach out to me anytime. Um, but, you know, the, the course you know, is, is really meant to be go at your own pace. You know, there, you, you can you know, there's very low barriers for you to get into it. And you should, you should find some really useful stuff in there. Um, and, and, you know, if you haven't bought the book yet, you know, I think we're giving away the book with the course as well. Uh, wow. you know, just checking the, in the comments. And I believe that's one of the, one of the things that goes with the digital version, not the print version. And, I, I don't control Amazon. And because, and because Glenn is so mindful of people's pocketbooks, this is the lowest price course that's out there too, because it's not about the money. It's about, oh, you yeah. know, as far as <laughs> By, yeah. by a ton. <laughs> so exactly. I'm one ninety nine. Yeah, yeah. meant to be a nice entry level, easy way in. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Glenn, thank you so much. Um, and Glenn, how, if people want to call you, what's the best number to reach you? Four two three four eight three zero four nine two. Don't hesitate to call me. I might not be able to answer, but you'll probably get a text back from me. Feel free to leave a message, and then I always follow up. I try to call everybody back within twenty four hours, and I respond to all my emails too. So. You know, we, we try to be very accessible for everybody. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for sharing. Uh, on behalf of Glenn Esterson, I'm Jason Sroden for the Mobile Home Park Expert Podcast. We will see you next week.